0: Um, We're going to really tear this book apart, but today we are going to finish up with the book of Galatians, and we're going to be in chapter 6, and we're going to get through the entire chapter today, fingers crossed, okay, fingers crossed. Um, By way of review, if you remember that we started this series based on our overall theme for this year of New Beginnings, and really the book of Galatians, as we have been looking at this book, as we have been going through this book we have discovered, hopefully, that this is in many ways considered to be the Magna Carta for Christians, our freedom document, that Jesus Christ came to give us freedom, and this book kind of lays out what that freedom is, that when we have freedom, there's oftentimes some things that happen when we get freedom, isn't there? One is we don't know necessarily what that freedom may look like or how to grasp that freedom. But even more serious than that, there may be things that we do or even more so others put on us that begin to limit or take away that freedom. And that is so, so difficult because if we, whether or not we believe it, we like being in some ways in bondage. We like the security of knowing what we can and cannot do. We like knowing, even in the church, who is in and who is out. And by the way, that is not always easy to grasp when it comes to knowing who is going towards Jesus and who is kind of uh, far apart from Jesus. In other words, what we as human beings like to know is we like to have concrete things, don't we? We like to live in what is kind of oftentimes considered to be a black and white world. But let me just tell it to you, brothers and sisters, there's a whole lot of gray. There's a whole lot of gray. That's just the way it is. I wish I could give you certainty as to what's going to happen next year or a year after that. I wish I could give you certainty as to who's going to be elected the next president of the United States three or four years from now. That would be valuable information, wouldn't it? I wish I could tell you, like, what is going to happen, what the biggest stock is is that you should buy. I wish I could give you that. I wish I could give you assurances when Jesus Christ is coming back on this specific date at this specific time. Because then, you know what would happen? Have you ever crammed for a test? Oh, there'd be a lot of cramming. There'd be a lot of cramming, right? I wish I could give you that. Here's the thing. I can't give you any of that. All I can share with you is the gospel. All I can give you is Jesus. That's it. That's it. And it's really difficult. I mean, it still doesn't stop us from trying to make sure, okay, here's how we know that someone truly is a Christian. We go by what's called a bounded set. We we may not think this, or at least call it that way, but I'm pretty certain this is how we sometimes think it. Okay, okay, I know how a person is a Christian. They read from this version of the Bible. Yes, they're in. They're in. Amen? Right? They dress a certain way. Oftentimes the way they dress is the way you dress. They look the same, right? They may even be the same culture group, the same ethnicity, whatever it is. They may, they may you know, act the certain way. We speak a certain language. That's how I know that they're in. That's the bounded set. That's kind of what the churches in the region of Galatia were kind of dealing with. We know who is in and who is not. Those who are in are circumcised. Pretty clear. Black and white. Right? Uh, pretty clear. And we know that those who are not are not in. I mean, that's how we do it. Here is the gospel way of determining who's in and who's out. We call it the centered set. And that is with Jesus Christ at the center, and then all of these people, whether or not they're moving more towards Jesus or away from Jesus. And you know what? It's really hard to gauge that. Here's the thing. There could be an individual in our church who may not talk as we do, who may not look as we do, who may not even read from the same Bible version that we do, may not even read from the Bible regularly and yet their hearts are so oriented possibly towards Jesus that they may actually be closer to Jesus than the person who may have absolute quiet times every single day, read from the correct version of the Bible, dress correctly, all this kind of stuff. Because it's about the condition of our hearts. And I don't know about you, but I can't judge that. I can't grade that. They may look great on the outside. And, and that's why one of the scariest passages for me in all of Scripture, and I, I fear it for me, is when Jesus, and I stand before Him and He says, Depart from me. For I never knew you. I never knew you. I, I don't know about you, but that makes me scared out of my mind. Depart from me. No, no, but I mean, remember who he's saying this to? The religious leaders. Because they respond, Lord, Lord, when what what are you doing? I mean, come on. We taught, we believed in you, we followed the law. And Jesus nails it and says, You saw me when I was naked and you did not clothe me. You saw me when I was hungry and you did not feed me. You saw me when I was homeless and you did not give me shelter. Because as you have done to the least of these, you have what? Done it to me. There are a whole host of Christians who have got theology nailed. They know their stuff. They can recite the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed by heart. They can recite Scripture like nobody's business. They can know their theology so well and you know what? They have no impact or little impact on their neighbors. So what? So what? What does it matter if you can recite all those things and yet not love your neighbor? Let me just say this, brothers and sisters. If you read the Scriptures and you come away from it not having a greater love and a desire to love your neighbor as you love yourself, you have misread The Bible. If you come away from these scriptures thinking, ha I'm pretty good. All you other sinners have got to work on that. You're lucky to have me in your life. (laughs) I am here to bring you salvation. Look at me. If you walk away reading the scriptures and you come away like that, you've got some serious, serious reorientation to do. After reading this book, we ought to be humble, we ought to be kind, we ought to be gracious, we ought to be loving, all of the fruit of the Spirit as we have looked at this book. Brothers and sisters, it does not matter if you can quote Scripture if at the end of the day you still hate your neighbor. It does not matter. I couldn't care less. By the way, people always mess that phrase up. People often say, I could care less. And I want to say, well, if you could, then why don't you? It's couldn't. I couldn't care less. I had a, my friend's father, he used to say it. And and rightly so, my family hates this saying. It's try to imagine how little I care. Wow, that's harsh. I don't use that phrase very often. My family hates it. Understandably so. Um, I think it. But I don't say it. It doesn't. I'm sorry, family. It's confession time, but it's Father's Day. So be kind to me. I get a get a get, get out of jail free card. This is the one day I don't get in the doghouse by my family. So Father's Day, Father's Day. Play that card every single time today, guys. I don't know if it'll work for you. I doubt if it'll work for me, but I'm trying it. Today, as we end this book, the passage we're going to look at. We're going to look at this passage because, first of all, there's a few things that I want us to realize about this passage. This passage, where, where Paul ends this powerful letter, we're going to see some of Paul's most rawness. And at the same time, his gentleness. And at the same time, his personableness. as At, at p- one point, he actually writes a portion of this passage we're going to look at himself. Himself. This is how passionate he is about it. And here is what he is going to address in today's passage. And it's this. What does it look like on a very practical level, on a very grassroots, ground level, For us to actually embrace the freedom that Jesus Christ has come to bring us. This is just one powerful way. But it is an incredibly powerful way. What does that look like? And I want to tell you right now off the bat, it's going to be counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. It is going to be something that you and I don't naturally want to do at all. Freedom is hard. Freedom is really hard. It's incredibly hard. Ask anyone who has ever been in bondage, for example, in a horrific abusive relationship and they are finally freed from it. You ask them, how hard was it? I bet you they will tell you, incredibly hard. Freedom is difficult. And it is difficult on a worldly level and it is also difficult when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. For a whole host of reasons, and we're going to find out some of those reasons today. But today I want us to see what does it look like on a very practical level for us to embrace the freedom that Jesus Christ has come to give us. And it is counterintuitive, but we're going to go there anyways. And I'm going to help us kind of weave our way through this passage with the following uh, kind of statement that will help us understand how and how and what it looks like for us to kind of grasp this freedom that Jesus Christ came to bring us. So here is the beginning of this statement. I begin to experience freedom in Christ when I share my burdens with others. Let me say that again. I begin, and this is a beginning, it's not the end, it is a beginning, to experience freedom in Christ when I share my burdens with others. Does this sound counterintuitive already? It does. It does. And it is. Here's what I mean, and here's what Paul writes. Beginning with chapter or verse 1 of Galatians chapter 6. And he says this, and remember, he's coming off of the last few verses of chapter 5, verse 25. And when he says this, if we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit as well. I don't have that on the screen. It's okay. Um, I don't want to get the back all stressed out. Um, Let's not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Okay, so that's where Paul ends. And then he says the following, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Galatians. Brothers and sisters, I've got my new version of the NASB. It doesn't say brethren in this one. You could say brethren, okay? Uh, Brethren, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, who know, who've had experience in this, not spiritual in that you know all of the right things to believe, not spiritual in all knowing the right things to say, but spiritual in that you have this freedom in Jesus Christ, that you know Jesus, and Jesus knows you, and you have this unbelievable relationship with Him, are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Highlight it, circle it, put stars around it. This is really important. I'll come back to this in just a second. Each one, look into yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Now a little play on words. Wasn't Paul just before trying to get us away from the law and here he is now saying the law of Christ is actually bear your burdens with each other? Okay, Paul, I love it. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting, but to himself alone and not to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Uh, I'll get there in just a minute as well. Uh, That's self-serving, by the way. Um, Pay your pastor. No, that's... (laughs) Anyways, uh, moving right along. Um, Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever person sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let's not become discouraged in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let's do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Now, there are three things here that I think are really important when it comes to sharing each other's burdens. One is this. We read it right at the beginning there. Each one of us has burdens. Can we agree on that? Each one of us has burdens. In fact, let me just do a little illustration here. I have a backpack here. Um, I have rocks. Um, Rocks that represent burdens. Some burdens are not nearly as big as others. Um, you know, but other burdens may be quite substantial. Maybe you're going through a job loss or a relationship loss. And it's a heavy, heavy burden. Maybe you're going through just, uh, you know, some minor issues with your kids you know, it'll get resolved, but it's a minor burden. Maybe you had an argument this morning or yesterday with them and you've just got to resolve it. It's not a big deal, but burdens don't come in all shapes and sizes, do they? Some are heavier than others. And some of us may be carrying huge burdens and other of us may not be carrying that all that heavy of burdens. But either way, we all carry burdens. And maybe right now some of you are carrying lighter burdens, God bless you, may that continue to be the case. And other of us may be carrying more heavy burdens. But nonetheless, we are all carrying something. We all came in here this morning, whether we realize it or not, and we all have a backpack, metaphorically speaking. We all have a backpack. And we are all carrying these things, whatever it is, from this past week, from this past month, from this past year. Whatever it is, maybe some of us are dealing with economic hardship. That's just weighing us down. Maybe some of us are dealing with the loss of some relationship in our lives. Maybe a person passed away or it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's simply an illness. Maybe it's family conflict. Whatever it is, we, we all have burdens and quite frankly, all of us this morning have walked in with a backpack, with some of these burdens. And don't get me wrong; some of us wear these burdens pretty well. We can hide it. Oh, that's nothing. Don't worry about that. It's just a it's just a thing. It'll go away, right? It's just a thing. It's no big deal. I got it taken care of, kind of thing. All of us have burdens. All of us are being weighed down by something in our lives. By something in our lives. Here is the worst thing that we can do, is not share it. Not only that, but even following Jesus Christ is a burden in many ways. Let me just share a couple of passages of Scripture with you. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And as he was saying to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, this is Jesus speaking, he must what? Deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross. That's a burden. Okay? That's a burden. Here, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says this, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, "'and I will give you rest. "'Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, "'for I am gentle and humble in heart, "'and you will find rest for your souls.'" For my yoke is comfortable, and my burden is what? Does it say that there's no burden? It just says it's light. It's lighter than what you're dealing with. It's lighter because I will help you with that burden. And there's a very powerful way that we can do that. We all have burdens. Some burdens are heavier than others, but we all have them. And we all brought them here today. Every single one of us. Has brought something here that is weighing us down. It may be not that bad, or it may be incredibly heavy. All of us have burdens. That's number one. Number two that we saw in this passage that I just read, we need to help each other bear our burdens. Period. First of all, it fulfills the law of Jesus Christ. It fulfills the law of Jesus Christ when we Help each other with the burdens that we have. Now, let me give you an example of what that means to help each other with the burdens. Sometimes I think that in order to help each other with the burdens, we say, Let me carry this backpack for you for a while. That's not exactly it. Let me give you an example. Interesting story in Exodus chapter 17. I don't have that passage up there, but I'm going to tell it to you nonetheless. Moses has now got, you know, he's leading the people, right? They've got to fight the Amalekites, okay? And as they're fighting the Amalekites, one simple thing that Moses has to do is he's got to hold his staff up. Because as long as he's holding his staff up, Joseph, who is leading the Israelites in fighting the Amalekites, the Israelites will keep winning. But once he begins to lower his staff, the Israelites begin to lose. Well, Moses is sitting there holding his staff as the Israelites are battling it. And by the way, Moses is in his 80s. Okay? Okay. He's not a young spring chicken, okay? He's an older guy, okay? He is holding his staff, and he's got to hold it for hours. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had to hold something up like this for a long time? How long did you last? Not long, right? Yeah, the same was true for Moses. Moses was beginning to get tired. Now, as a result, there were two guys. Aaron, his brother, and her were next to him, and they said, you know what? We've got to help Moses bear this burden. What did they do? Very simply, they did two things. One is, they got him a rock. Bigger than this. Sit on this rock, Moses. Sit down. And next, what they did is they held his arms. Do you realize... I'm just thinking, for me, it's like his arms would have fallen asleep. Do you realize how painful that is? I mean, how weird... Have I mean, you ever had have your leg fall asleep? Right? You try to move it, it's like pain. I mean, his arms... So they were holding his arms up. You know what they didn't do? They didn't take the staff from him. That was his burden to bear. But he didn't have to bear it alone. He didn't have to bear it alone. Brothers and sisters, let me say this. Sometimes, I think there's a misunderstanding when it comes to the sense that we've got to bear each other's burdens is that we have to make your burden another person's burden, our own burden. That's not what that means. That person still has to go through that. That is their burden to bear. But we can help them. And helping them doesn't mean we take that burden and make it our own burden. Rather, we walk with them through that situation. We walk with them through whatever it is they are going through to help in any way we can. But we cannot take that burden from them. That is their burden to bear for whatever reason it is. We cannot do that. Does that make sense? It's interesting that that Paul says at the end, he says, guess what, if you want to fulfill everything that Jesus has come to do, if you want to experience the freedom that Jesus came to bring, it's very simple, bear each other's burdens. Bear each other's burdens. Now, there's a third thing in this, that I just read in this passage, and it's this. Bearing each other's burdens is really hard. Did you catch that in this passage? And he says this, Let's not become discouraged in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. Do you realize how hard it is to help each other with our burdens? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And it's exhausting for a lot of reasons. But perhaps one of the biggest ones is, what if it doesn't make a difference? What if at the end of the day we feel as though it was wasted? That the person we were helping instead went back to the bondage? What if it instead we look at that and we become jaded and angry because of all the time we poured into helping that person carry the burden only in the end to see them go back to it It can become incredibly discouraging carrying each other's burdens is really really difficult in fact, so difficult that many Christians, I think, when they're involved in church, is that they stand back from their involvement in church because they don't want to get into the messiness of what it means to do life with other Christians. Right? Oh, I don't want to get involved in that. I've got enough to deal with on my own. Let me just say this. I realize that sometimes as Christians, we may have an idealized perspective of what the church should be and that when we come into church, that everyone is on their best behavior, that everyone is perfect and that everyone acts wonderfully towards each other and we sing Kumbaya and we hold hands. We don't do that because holding hands is weird sometimes. Um but all that kind of stuff. And we're just these perfect, wonderful, angelic beings who in the world, how could anyone else be in our presence because we are so perfect? And we sometimes, in many ways, probably give that impression. But more than that, maybe an expectation of others who don't know Jesus and who don't know the church come in believing that that's the way it should be. And then all of a sudden they come in and they see people that in many ways are no different than they are they're dealing with stuff that they thought if they're Christians they shouldn't be dealing with. They thought that if they're Christ followers we shouldn't be dealing with the same kind of stuff that I'm dealing with but the reality is is that we all do. We all do. We all do. And you know what is so important when we share each other's burdens and how we should come to each other is as Paul said, we ought to come to them with a spirit of gentleness. We ought to come to them in a spirit of humility and humbleness, for one particular reason, because guess what? We ought to know what it's like to carry a burden. We ought to know what it's like to be tempted and to fall into temptation. We ought to know what it's like to fall and to all of a sudden be restored, hopefully, because that happened to us. How helpful would it be if you're carrying a burden for someone to come along and say, well, you're doing it wrong. What were you thinking? I mean, really, seriously? How helpful is that? For someone to come to you and just say, well, you really messed up. Thanks a lot for telling me something I already know. It's like I'm drowning here and you're describing the water. Right? I mean, how helpful is it for someone to come to you and instead of coming to help you with a spirit of gentleness, comes to you as a, though they're a parental person in your life and just keeping what is obvious to you already. heaping on, instead of helping you to walk through this instead now adds to it, and it becomes heavier as a result. Paul says that should not be us at all, because as Christians, above everything else, we should know better, because we have been there carrying these heavy burdens. Let me just say this. I love how Paul says, those of you who are spiritual, you know what a spiritual person is? A spiritual person isn't someone who has it all figured out. A spiritual person is someone who knows Jesus, and as a result knows and has experienced His grace, His grace, his forgiveness, and his restoration. And as a result, equally goes to others and says, you know what, I've been where you've been. Let me help you. Let me help you. That's how we can begin to experience the freedom that Jesus Christ came to bring us, is to share each other's burdens. Is to share each other's burdens. The last half of that statement says this, and it's not when, rather, I refuse to share what is burdening me. That's not how we experience the freedom of Christ, is not sharing what is burdening me. Paul writes the following, and he finally exposes in this writing what the Judaizers, what the burden they were carrying. And he says this beginning with verse 11. See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. And he's getting personal now. He finally takes over the pen. Until this point, most likely he was having someone dictate what he was saying. Now he takes it over and he says, see what I am writing with my own hand and he writes the following. All who want to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to become circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. The burden that these Judaizers were carrying was the same burden that now those who have become circumcised were going to be carrying and that is they didn't want to be ridiculed For preaching that, you know what? The cross of Christ is enough. You don't need to be circumcised. You don't need to have any of those things. Jesus is enough. You need nothing else. They didn't want to preach that. Because they knew if they did, they would be absolutely persecuted for it. They would be absolutely persecuted for it. And they didn't want to do it. And so instead of actually preaching the truth, they just simply denied it. They thought, well, you know, let's just pretend it's not there. Let me say this. Denialism, in which we are really good at saying, you know what, we just deny that, we just don't talk about that, we just put it over there, we don't deal with it. Denialism isn't freedom. In fact, it's just the opposite. It is, in fact, bondage. It is, in fact, bondage. Anybody who denies who they are, the fact that they carry burdens, anybody who denies the fact that they sin. Anybody who denies the fact that they need a Savior in their life, they're living in denial. And it doesn't solve the problem. It just makes it worse in the end. It just makes it worse in the end. Paul exposes this with the Jews and says, the whole reason why they're doing what they're doing is because they're afraid of being persecuted for preaching that Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. They're carrying a burden. And he goes on and he says this, for those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they want to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh, that they may go to the people whom they are trying to impress and see, see, I'm following it. Look at this individual. This person got circumcised because I told them they had to. Aren't I, aren't they being good? They are trying to impress others. And in doing so, they're adding burden on themselves in the process. Paul says this, and he goes, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but rather what? A new creation. It's about a changed heart. It doesn't matter physically. At all. Ultimately, in the end, it's about a changed heart. And he says this, and all who will follow this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. In a very succinct way, Paul lays out what we can do to begin to experience that freedom of Christ. And that is to share each other's burdens. And that is so counterintuitive, isn't it? Because for us to be able to admit, first of all, that I have burdens, and secondly to admit that some of those burdens I probably have are things I did to cause those burdens to be there, there's a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of all that stuff. We're afraid of being exposed. The problem with Jesus Christ is that's what He does. That's what the gospel does. He exposes us for who we really are. Not to condemn us, but rather to what? Save us. And brothers and sisters, if we remember this, that our whole purpose of being able to share each other's burdens is not to criticize each other, not to judge each other, not to make each other feel even worse, but rather to redeem, to help restore, to help bring back that will make all the difference in the world. We are not perfect. We have not yet arrived. But we are on our way. And part of that freedom in Christ is to be free to say, guess what? I am dealing with some heavy stuff here. I have got a load that is weighing me down and I need help. Help. Please, help me. Yesterday... Um, we had Tara Kelly's memorial service, or celebration of life service. Um, and, and as we know, as a church family, we had been journeying with Tara for quite a few years with her cancer. She beat it once, she beat it a second time, and she beat it ultimately the third time. But the last text I received from her, and I still have it, um, I was on vacation and her mom reached out to me and said, Dan, it's not good. It's not good. And so I texted Tara. And, and she texted back and she said this, I'm so sorry for not telling you sooner about how bad it really is. And I thought, that broke my heart. And I said, no, don't ever apologize. But secondly, it broke my heart because how long was she journeying on this path and she didn't reach out. Say, you know what? I really need help. I really need help. The last time I saw Tara, I uh, was at the hospital, and it was just awful. Probably one of the worst things I've experienced. And it was one of those times that as a pastor, when I was praying with the family, her parents um, and some others were there as well, that literally my prayer was, In many ways, although I didn't say it straight out, I did hint at it, was Jesus, take her now. In an act of mercy, please lift this burden off of her. Lift this burden off of her. It's the best I could do. I couldn't physically heal her. I'm not a doctor. I may have a doctor degree, but I'm not a doctor that way. You don't want me there for that kind of stuff. All I could do was pray, Jesus, take her now. Please, end this. That's all I could give. Let me say this that as a church family, we all have burdens, and we all need each other to help carry these burdens. Life is difficult, life is hard, life is not perfect. Denying it isn't going to help it, it just makes it worse. We need each other. In fact, I love what Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says this. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him, who is alone? Two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly what? Torn apart. We need each other. Without each other, we cannot begin to experience the freedom that Jesus Christ has come to give us. We need each other. And I want to tell you today, it's not too late. If you're carrying something and you've been hiding it, you've been trying to wear it well, but... You know what? It's really hard. It's weighing you down. It consumes your thoughts. It is just something that you can't stop thinking about, can't stop dealing with. I want to encourage you all today, as best as I can, please share that with someone before you leave today. If you are carrying something and you need help, share that with someone today. And in fact, I want to give some opportunities. I want to invite whoever our any of our elders here, I see Chuck and Jono, um, Eric, uh, come forward, guys. Don't, don't be shy. I, it's, always, it's always a question like when I say a name. It's like, no, no, come forward. Step forward. Um, let me have, um, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pick someone else. Don't worry about it. It's not a bad thing. Um, let me have Debbie Oberyn come up as well. Um, I want these individuals to stand here. And we're going to have that worship team come up as well. While the worship team is singing, and while we're singing, if you have a burden on your heart, I want to encourage you, come up and see one of us. Let us at the very least pray for you. Let us at the very least help you to once again experience the freedom that Jesus Christ has come to bring you and I. Because it is a good freedom. It is a necessary freedom. It is the freedom that He came and died for so we could have. So if there's anything that is burdening you, I don't care if it's big Or small. Come and at least let us pray with you. Let us at least do that. And in doing so, maybe, just maybe, experience a little bit of that freedom that Jesus wants us to experience. Father, help us. I am so grateful, Jesus, that you have given us each other. We might not have picked each other, but Jesus, here we are nonetheless. Father, I pray that we would be willing to be vulnerable because, Father, we all carry burdens. You know it better than we do. I pray, Jesus, please give us the courage to step forward. Give us the courage and the strength to admit that we may need help carrying burdens today. And I pray, Father, that we would begin to experience even just see a little bit of the freedom that we can have in doing so. Freedom from being captive to the sin or to the situation that we may be in. Freedom to having it exposed and instead of receiving judgment, to receive restoration, compassion, mercy. Jesus, help us, please. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.